Here's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Butler. Butler. Into the lane. Into traffic. It goes again. For Butler. For West Virginia. Has won its first Big East championship. Into the hands of Clark. He's got a chance to win it here. Up the front. It's the Akita for the win. Welcome back to Press Break, a Sports Shift Media college basketball podcast powered by the Juicebox Pod. I'm your host, Jake Thomas, and I'm joined by Brandon, Brandon Johnson. And before we get started here, I want to jump in and kind of explain you're hearing us on Thursdays now. I know anybody that's tuned in prior to this it usually hears us on a Monday or a Tuesday. Well, Brandon and I have been talking. It kind of came up over the weekend. We were going over our notes of last week and the Texas Tech-Oklahoma game was a week old, and it wasn't really that interesting game of a game to talk about. And we were like, we have Virginia fans listening in, West Virginia fans listening in. Do they really care about a week old game against uh, between Texas Tech and Oklahoma? So we decided to retool the podcast a little bit. Uh, we're going to record now on Wednesdays, and you'll drop, you'll hear this on Thursdays at some point. But we're going to try to give our reaction to the newest rankings and some of the games of the week. But we really want to focus in on our team since that's what you guys care about. We're, we're going to hit some segments with UVA and West Virginia. And I'm going to try to timestamp those in the description so that you guys can jump straight to where you want to listen to. We would appreciate a, a full listen to the episode, but we know that not everyone has time on their hands to listen to an hour long podcast. So we want to make sure you guys get exactly what you want. We'll also, with it getting close to tournament time, we'll jump right into bracketology. Everybody loves at this time of year, just going over brackets, going over matchups of what could potentially be uh, happening in March Madness. Uh, I'll stop rambling here and I will throw it over to Brandon. Brandon, how are you doing? And did I miss anything? No, you nailed everything there. Uh, things have been going well. Uh, just had our big Super Bowl show with the Sports with BJ podcast. That's taken a lot of energy out of me, but we're back. We're better than ever. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the podcast is for the people. Um, so we're always going to be trying new things to see what we can do uh, to give the people what they want. And like you said, I mean, the, the problem with covering college basketball is that if you're only going to do one episode a week, there's so many games and so many things that happen. Um, it's just kind of hard to put together a, a well-constructed show uh, and, and keep it relevant. So that's what we're trying to do here. Just switch it up and Man, I, I couldn't be more excited about the direction we're heading in with it. So I'm happy to to get this thing started. Yeah, de definitely. So uh, once this drops, it'll be everywhere uh, at the Juicebox Pod. Uh, go check them out too. Uh, they're doing some great stuff over there. They're real funny guys. Uh, before we jump into the actual games of the week, I also want to let everyone know that we will be doing a March Madness uh, square pool. So uh, you can get at me anywhere at JTC4 or Brandon at Sports with BJ. Let us know if you're interested. We're also going to be donating a portion of the funds that we get to the Barstool Fund for uh, helping out small businesses. So if, if you want more information on that, just uh, get us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere like that. So with that, we will get into our first new segment. So first, we'll start off with our uh, going around the country, uh, giving our recap of some of the games we watched and uh, how things are shaking up in the top 25. I wanted to get your opinion on this. We, we have Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois, the three teams in the Big Ten in the top six. And that's definitely not what we thought it would be at the start of the year. We really expected three teams in the Big Ten. 
to, to be up there, but Iowa and Wisconsin have really fallen off over the last couple of weeks. Do you think it's still Michigan at number one, or do you see either of these two teams, Ohio State, Illinois, uh, taking that spot from them? Yeah, you know, that's hard. Um, I, f- from an all-around standpoint, I still think Iowa's the best team in the Big Ten. Um, it's hard to go out and put on a class A performance night in night out when you're getting everyone's best shot. Mm -hmm. Um, it is shocking to see a six in the loss column, only 19 games into the season, but they, they would be my number one, Illinois, Illinois is hard to trust. They got a five in that loss column, but we've seen them, man, we've seen them play some really good basketball. And then we've seen them give us some head scratching performances, um, on, on what they're, what they're capable of. I mean, they, they lost at Rutgers, which, you know, not that bad, but then they go and lose to Maryland at home. They lost, they got swept by Ohio state. Um, and there's some inexplicable basketball that's there. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like them as, as much. I know I was really high on them. Um, Desumu is, is the real deal. Um, but I would actually put, if I was going based on just the big 10, I would have Iowa one, Michigan two, Illinois three, Ohio state four. Mm. Um, I think Ohio state and, and Illinois kind of suffer from the same thing that up and down, it just, it just an inconsistent performance on the court. Yeah. Um, it's hard to judge. And I'm, I'll go back to what I said when Michigan went and whooped up on, um, Wisconsin, I think it was the first time they played them. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was what number eight versus number seven. Yeah. Um, and I said, when we recapped that game, Michigan's just got a bunch of dudes like, and that type of that type of team is scary. You don't. That's not a team you want to see at any given time. Yeah, they, um, they come at you from so many different angles. Uh, I wrote about them. I, I went back and looked at my preseason Big Ten blog, and in the rankings, the preseason rankings that got put out, they weren't in the top five. And I said that they were a sleeper. They had a few transfers coming in, and I trust Jawan Howard as a coach. I think he's a great up and coming coach. So uh, they are doing a great job right now, and. Uh, if Dickinson, they haven't played in a while, so mm-hmm. that that is a concern. I think they they return on Sunday against Wisconsin, so luckily they beat up on them the first time. They should be able to handle them uh, again. But if Dickinson is playing well and you get a couple guys that, that are shooting uh, right, then they're going to be a tough team to beat. They, they move into that Gonzaga-Baylor realm of uh, them against the rest of the field. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not ready to put them up that high um, in regards just because, I mean, we haven't seen Gonzaga and Baylor really play a game contestedly, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I mean, I know that Baylor's had some close games, um, but there's never really a situation where you feel like Baylor's been out of control of a game. Yeah, You've had that with Michigan, but I do agree that they're the top three teams in the country right now as we speak. Um, and yeah, kudos to Juan Howard, um, and what he's doing over there. Uh, he's getting, I mean, really what he's doing is he's following, he's following the footsteps of the coach he, he preceded and, and really just going and getting his fab five. And it mm-hmm. seems like he's going to try and do that every <laughs> single year. Um, and, and that's really, you know, hitting the, I mean, it's just hitting the inner cities. You got to own the state of Michigan. You've got to own, um, you got to own the great lakes area. Mm-hmm. And if they can do that and get the ballers from there and put out the product they did, I mean, this is only his first full recruiting class. Yeah. It might not even be his first full recruiting class. Yeah. I'm not sure about that, but uh, really there's so much talent there that he can draw anybody there. He wants it. That has, Michigan has definitely taken over 
the Michigan area. Uh, Tom Izzo, love him, but uh, I think uh, recruits want to go to Ann Arbor. Uh, well, you got to think State. about what they've got going on. First of all, they're sponsored by Jordan Brand, so mm-hmm. they got the Jumpman logo on the jerseys. And think about think about what what I mean. When, if I said thirty for thirty, what's one of your favorites? Uh, my personal favorite is uh, the Bad Boys Pistons. But I, I knew it, where you were going with that Fab Five. Uh, right. That, uh, that is a good one as well. And when that came out, these kids that he's recruiting now were in ninth, 10th grade. Mm-hmm. And so now he's there and you've got this video of these guys. And Juan Howard's one of the baddest of them all. He's <laughs> very soft-spoken. But, I mean, everything's just going their way. It was a great hire by Michigan. Um, and I just think we are seeing a result of – of the media doing something unintentional for once. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that, that obviously when they released that documentary on the fab five that they intended, but when you watch that show and you look, you listen to them talk about the swagger and getting rid of the, the tight shorts and going to the baggy shorts and, you know, being on camera and making jokes with the coach and, you know, that whole atmosphere they built uh, that really led to their success. You see very similar guidelines with Juan Howard and what he's building uh, and, and I think Michigan is going to be here to stay. Uh, but one of the teams that, that I think is really getting slept on, and, and it's just because of attrition lately, um, I'm still really big on Texas. Texas is come tournament time, um, and, and Big Ten fans out or Big 12 fans out there, you're one of them. Keep in mind, I mean, this is not – this is a race to April, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you want to be number one in the conference, and yeah, you'd like to win the Big 12 title. That's great. But if you're a Texas fan, you've got a team that's built for March. And I, they're going to definitely be one of my sleepers. I don't, I honestly don't care how the rest of their season plays <laughs> out. Um, but cause I, I've seen enough on the floor to know that when, when they need to get up for a game, Shaka has them in a great spot and they're going to be ready to roll. And it's, I, I don't want to see them. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to see Texas in the tournament. Uh, I'm really not looking forward to West Virginia having to play them next Saturday. I, I had them uh, that written down too, that they still are. Uh, they got moved down to 13, but they had the COVID break. I watched that whole K-State game last night. K-State put up a good fight. They, they played a very good game, which was surprising because it looked like they were just uh, throwing in the towel for the season earlier on. But I think that some of the Texas guards are still trying to get back in shape. Uh, I know that I heard on another podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, they said that for every day missed of uh, training, it took one full day of coming back to, to really get back. So if you missed 14 days, you're not really going to be yourself in game form for another two weeks uh, of conditioning. So they're still trying to get back into the swing of things. Uh, McGurl and Pack for Kansas State were getting into the lane pretty easily. So that's what kept Kansas State in the game. But on the offensive end, they were still shooting the lights out. They were still running a very efficient offense. I agree with you there that they are a sleeper team to watch. And uh, it'll be fun to watch. I think they have West Virginia uh, still to go next Saturday. And then I'm trying to – I'm pulling up their schedule quick. They still have – they still have Oklahoma and Texas Tech and Kansas as well, even though they're not ranked right now. Uh, those are still tough games. So they could get a few more losses here at the end of the year, but I think you're right. Shaka smarts, just getting them through to March and April, and they're going to go on a little bit of a run. Uh, 
I know I mentioned Kansas there. I had this, uh, this popped up on my timeline on, on Twitter. I wanted to see if you could pull the, if you could get this right with, uh, with Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, and UNC not being in the top 25 for the first time in what seems like forever. It was the first time, I think in at least 50 years that the top 13 winningest programs of all time were not in the top 25 rankings. So you have those, those four there. I was wondering of the other nine, how many you could get. Well, you got to probably say UCLA is one of them. Yep. Uh, Georgetown. No, that, that was one I was surprised about. Okay. So you definitely, definitely UCLA and we're so Duke is in there. Yep. Uh, North Carolina would be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have, Wow. I mean, Michigan's in there. Michigan State's not in there, but we already talked about them. Uh, St. John's, I don't know if they're one of the winningest programs uh, ever. Uh, they were. Okay. Uh, Syracuse would yep. probably be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Louisville? No. Uh, there are – so there's a Big Ten team left, um, an ACC, a Pac-12 – or two Pac-12s, and a Big East that are that are of the 15 winningest programs yeah would the would the acc team on missing be nc state no it's a team is that, it a north carolina school no it's a former uh it, it's a team that recently joined the acc notre dame yes wow wow uh, okay yeah. yeah that that one surprised me as well the big um, 10 would probably be the indiana indiana's the big 10 team mm-hmm uh, the Pac-12, crazy. So you got UCLA. Yeah, there's two more. I know Washington State has had a lot of good years. Uh, I don't know it, they had. it wasn't them. It can't be Oregon. There's one team that's not in the 25. They uh, they've kind of fallen off the last few years because of some allegations. Because of that, oh Arizona. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of names. Yeah, that's that's a really good stat. That's a lot of big pedigrees yeah. in college basketball. The the last two were Utah and Cincinnati. Uh, those ones were very random to to be up there. Oh it, yeah, I never got that. It, yeah, <laughs> that's what I figured. I figured we would call it that. But uh, I thought that was very interesting. Just the the, the powerhouses over the last hundred or so years. Uh, that they're all not in the top twenty five. So we're seeing new teams step up. Right. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, the, we talk about this in the NFL all the time. You know, do you really hate Tom Brady and the Patriots, or are you just tired of there not being parity? Yep. <laughs> what, what is it? Or is is it is it a hatred for Tom and the Patriots, or are you just so sick of seeing them there every mm-hmm. single year? Um, and, and it's good. It's good for college basketball. Um, I, I would I love some of the teams that are that are making names for themselves. So good. That's a I love that stat. Yeah. And with that sound, that means it's time for another Mountaineer Minute, our weekly segment where JT gets to talk all things West Virginia basketball. JT, really looking forward to hearing what you have to say this week, especially considering West Virginia is now in the middle of the gauntlet of their schedule. 
You're right about that. We, we got a little bit of a break with Baylor uh, going into COVID protocol. So that six-game gauntlet really turned into a four-game gauntlet with a week-long break. But they got it started the right way, beating Kansas, knocking them out of the top 25 for the first time, I believe, since uh, it was been at least 12 years mm-hmm. since they had not been in the top 25. And Which I has got to be satisfying. Oh, it definitely. Of all teams, that is the team. I, I still want to get one in Allen Fieldhouse. We have not beat them since we joined the Big 12 in 2012. But uh, I'll take a win over Kansas at any point, And we get a donation made from the university to the Bob Huggins uh, Cancer Fund. Uh, mm-hmm. that, he put that in his contract that every time he beats Kansas, $25,000 gets to go to that. So uh, that's always a nice feeling on top what of a guy. Kansas. <laughs> what a guy. But I never thought that I would reach a point in my West Virginia fanhood where we would be putting up 91 points and I would still be sweating out a victory. Uh, We've had it happen a few times here. Uh, West Virginia pulled it out, uh, ended up being a 12-point win. But there was a point in that second half there where Kansas went on a run, West Virginia was up by 10, and it ended up being a tie game where I thought, you have got to be kidding me. This is another time of just Kansas – going on one of those runs and we just don't have the guys to match up but deuce mcbride and tash sherman both have career days the deuce ends up going for 31 31 7 and 7 i looked it up for mountaineer fans there are only two players in west virginia history to ever put up at least 17 points seven rebounds and seven assists multiple times it's deuce mcbride now and our beloved javon carter did it four times so uh, that was a great thing to see him move into that. Uh, I, I saw some comparisons that were comparing his first 49 games to Javon Carter's first 49 games. And he blows them away because Javon Carter really, uh, he elevated his game his junior and senior year, just spending time in the gym. I really want to go back next week. I'm going to have a breakdown of Deuce's first 50 games compared to Deshaun Butler's first 50 games because the, the way he's playing, I think that's more the trajectory of where he's headed than, than Javon Carter. I think offensively, he's just so far ahead of JC. I'm very excited to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. And then last night we were treated to another wild game. Texas Tech and West Virginia seemed to put on these great battles and uh, the Mountaineers, they struggled through it. They get a win. I had the score right there. 8271. Thank you very much. Uh, it, it was a much closer game than uh, what that appeared. Chris Beard goes off. And, oh, that temper tantrum, not the best. Oh, that I did. Like, you he watch, was on his butt, like we're, literally throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah, that was the best uh, temper tantrum I've seen in quite some time. But did you watch the full 40 minutes? Uh, did you catch the whole game? I didn't catch the whole game. Um, oh, I yeah, yeah, the you, half. Uh, okay. So the rest were awful. I don't know how you have number seven versus number 14 and you have the group of refs that you did. I only recognized one name, mm-hmm. um, which usually like uh, you would see the names like uh, sermons and uh, some of these other guys that uh, we don't want to see, but they just had such a quick whistle that they, they didn't, there was no flow to the game. West Virginia shot 39 free throws. Uh, just uh, far too many, but they still pull out the win. So we got overshadowed by Chris Beard a little bit, but but I'll take it. West Virginia, they were out with, without Taz Sherman. He had a groin injury, so Hug sat him down just so he didn't get hurt. Uh, Miles McBride got uh, his second foul with 
I think it was nine minutes into the game. Yeah. So he, he sat for the last 11 minutes of the first half. And then Derek Culver gets his fourth foul with 15 minutes left in the game. And he sits until the five minute mark. So you're without Taz Sherman for 40 minutes. You're without Deuce for 11 minutes and you're without Culver for 10 and you still find a way to beat the number seven team in the country. I will go out on a limb and say that this was Bob Huggins best regulate or best regular season win in his time at West Virginia, possibly of his career. He's now got 895 of those wins. And I think that might be the best regular season win. Yeah. That's a big, uh, that's a big statement. Uh, to make. I don't know West Virginia's lore as well as you do. Uh, I'm definitely more prevalent to the Bob Huggins era um, than anything else. Uh, To be honest with you, I didn't know West Virginia had a basketball team until (laughs) Bob Huggins got hired, Um, which we're young. So, I mean, it is what it is, but that stretch you all gone through, man. I mean, you played Texas Tech, got the season sweep, but you played them when they were number 10. You played when they were number seven. You got matched up in a bad matchup with Florida. Uh, in the Big 12 SEC uh, challenge. Iowa State gave you a run. Kansas was 23. Texas Tech again at seven. You got to go to or you're home for Oklahoma this Saturday. You had two games with Baylor sprinkled in in there that got canceled. And then it was going to end with number 13, Texas. And that's a road game. Mm -hmm. Like, my God. Uh, I really, after these last two games, though, I am very much uh, back in. After that Iowa State game and really the few games before that, I had kind of given up on them a little bit as a title contender just because the defense wasn't there. But what I'm seeing is a team that has so many different weapons because Sean McNeil does it uh, last night. He, he goes uh, berserk from behind the arc, hitting a bunch of shots. You have Taz, you have all that. They're going to get their points. But what I saw last night was they did just enough on the defensive end and against Kansas, they got just a few timely stops and with better rotations, they, they were leaving a bunch of guys open there for the past few weeks, just uh, guys not paying attention where the ball's at, where the rest of the guys that are on the court. Uh, I'm seeing just enough of an improvement that they're still going to give up 75, 80 points per game. But I think they're going to be able to score in the 80s with how many weapons they have. And I, I like our chances. Yeah, I mean, that's always got to be the... <clears throat> the the offset to having a bad defense this has got to be one of the worst defenses that bob huggins has had at west virginia and it's not i don't think it's necessarily a lack of components i just think it's they're not they're not system basketball defensive players Mm -hmm. and i think that's really kind of hurting um but if you're going to be bad defensively you better score um and and they are and and like you said i mean just with a quick quick blink of an eye they'll drop 84 85 on you Mm -hmm. at any given time um, so, yeah, come come March time, I mean, even in the Big 12 tournament, West Virginia is not going to be an easy out by anybody. I don't uh, yeah. I was really hoping to get those two Baylor games. Uh, and maybe they'll get rescheduled. They, they were postponed. They weren't canceled. So that's mm-hmm. good. That gives hope. Um, but you definitely want to test and see up against Baylor what, what, you've really, what you're really working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we'll get that. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to get your opinion on this. So with now – uh, I know West Virginia's last game of the season is scheduled right now for February 27th. And I know they, they have that one week buffer uh, that they said that everybody put in to try to make sure that you can get all your games in mm-hmm. at this point. Do you think there needs to be a, a little bit of urgency from uh, the different conferences to try to get your best games in? Cause uh, don't you want your conference teams to have uh, the, 
to have all of the top uh, matchups played so that you know what you're working with come tournament time? Yeah, absolutely. If I'm a commissioner of the Big 12, the Big 10, I mean, any conference, you name it, and I'm looking and I'm like, okay, I could have West Virginia play a game against Kansas State and whoever off the wall team they've got, or I could leave Kansas State and sprinkle in two games with, uh, with Baylor that need to be made up. I'm going to schedule those Baylor games because yeah. at this particular point, there's no scenario in which West Virginia does not get into the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And if they do lose to Baylor twice, let's even say that they're blowouts. That's not going to necessarily harm West Virginia stock mm-hmm. in, in the big dance. It's and, just not. and it adds two big wins to Baylor's uh, strength of schedule to possibly jump up over Gonzaga for that number one overall seed. See, that's where I that's where I disagree as far as strength of schedule. I think that a team like West Virginia has has less to lose from playing those two games than Baylor does. Because if Baylor goes into those two games, and let's say let's say they split, mm-hmm. all right, let's say that Baylor gets beat by West Virginia, and then they come back and they beat West Virginia, but it's a close game. That's going to hurt Baylor. Yeah, that, that is true. And, and waxes West Virginia twice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Baylor should have done. The only person that really, the only team that really has something to gain from getting those matchups in is the Big 12 Conference itself and West Virginia. Hey, you're right there. Uh, I, in my mind, I was thinking that if they got both wins, it definitely helps. But there is definitely more of a risk there that if they lose, then you, uh, then you run the risk of jumping down from the two spot to the three spot, which uh, I guess this year it's not going to make as much of a difference because there's not the different quadrants you're all in Indianapolis so uh, it's going to make a little bit of a difference but it's not as important trying to get that uh, that home court advantage in the specific yeah. region. I mean you've still got you still you're still going to have the bracket even mm-hmm. though it's going to be bubbled and you're all going to be in Indiana you're still going to have your bracket so there mm-hmm. is there is advantage to being the number two overall seed versus the number three versus the number four based on who they're going to put in the bracket with you. Yep. Um, so th- there's definitely stuff to play for. Um, I, I just think Baylor in that scenario has more to lose, but as a conference, it makes absolute sense. If we're going to get these games, if we're going to get games in anyway, we might as well make them the games that matter only and only because of what we're dealing with, with COVID and everything that's going on. Um, it, there's, there's definitely been exceptions made in lots of other sports for sure. Um, and if it, if it gets to the point where, look, we can play these two games, but that means you don't get the Baylor game. I say, get rid of the, the game against Kansas state and get at least one of the Baylor games in. That sound means it's time for another Cavalanche. Uh, this is the new segment for where Brandon can rant everything about Virginia basketball. Uh, we didn't expect to be sitting here in the second half of a close game against Georgia Tech, but I will just let him get right into it because he's ready to get into it. Yeah, um, the the close game we expected, the, the fact that we'd roll out a new segment right in the middle of a UVA game uh, definitely threw me off. But here we are. It's the life of a podcaster. Sometimes you got to miss your favorite teams or catch the box score. 
Um, Georgia Tech always gives us trouble. They've been giving us trouble in the first half. They like to go with a small lineup, and that really puts a lot of vulnerability on our bigs. Um, they've done a good job of getting Jay Huff in foul trouble. Um, he's had some some turnovers. Um, the, the shocking thing right now is Jay Huff and Sam Hauser combined on the offensive end only have eight points together. Um, but that small lineup just gives UVA fits. And every time we play, that's what they throw out there. Um, and the, just honestly, the lack of an interior score with consistency is really getting to UVA. Um, we haven't really lost a lot of the games. We've only got three on the season and one, of course, to number one Gonzaga. But if we can't score on the block, I don't know what we're going to do come tournament time um, mm-hmm. because we're not an Alabama type three point shooting team. I know we've got, you know, statistically the players to do so, um, but it's really been Sam Hauser. Uh, we were just talking about this pre-show that over the last, I think, week and a half, he's shooting like 58% from three and averaging 19 and a half points a game. Like that, those are just insane numbers. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at UVA's three point success, it's really him and, and Trey Murphy who had our first seven points tonight. So that, that small lineup's given us fits, and you're starting to see a lot of teams take notice of that and, and try to go small. And there's been a couple key injuries. Um, I don't even know if you could call them injuries, just absences more than anything. Caden um, Shendrick was supposed to be a good lift off the bench, and he's been ill. Um, and Cody Statman, um, he's been – huge for us especially last year i mean he was kihei's right hand man and um he's been ill as well both have said that it's uh non-covid related um but you know we've we've seen this before uh isaiah wilkins the year we lost to uh umbc he battled with pneumonia uh mm-hmm. the last half of the season um so these kinds of things happen and tony bennett is one of the best at adjusting uh he, i've got no issue with having faith in what he'll do with our team and how he'll adjust. Um, but we've got to find, we've got to find a way to get some sort of production on the block and inside the paint. Um, or we're not going to have a very long run at all when it comes to March. Yeah. It, that's what you see from a lot of teams is that you don't have to be a team that just throws it down low, but every once in a while, when you're in the middle of a stretch where you just can't seem to find an outside shot, it's nice to run a play that just gets a guy deep on the block where he can just take one step and do either a little hook shot or just get the ball up on the rim uh, within two feet. And uh, that is something that they're missing. So do you think that those guys will be back in time for the tournament? Because I'm looking here and uh, Virginia's only played seven guys. And I know just looking at teams around the country, it's going to be tough to win in a game like in a tournament, six straight games, you're going to get into some foul trouble. Will those guys be back? Do you think that it's just illnesses? Yeah, no. So that um, I was looking at that same ESPN box board and that's kind of inaccurate because Caden Shendrick did make a return to the game uh, tonight and we fully anticipate Cody Stabman to be back as well. Um, But I mean, if you think about it, Tony Bennett typically only runs a seven, sometimes eight. I think that national championship team had eight that he could go to consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, The issue is that the seven to eight we're going to this year aren't as effective (laughs) as the seven to eight we typically go with. Um, 
I've got a question about Thomas Wolden Tensai. I don't know why. I mean, he's been getting more playing time as of late, but there was a five game stretch there where I think he saw like a combined three minutes of playing time, which is crazy considering he was one of our go-to, if not the go-to three point shooter last year Mm -hmm. when we were such an offensively struggling team. What will surprise a lot of people is that at 37%, Kihei Clark led that team last year in three point percentage. So (laughs) Our facilitator was our best percentage shooter from three. Um, Wolden Tensai had the hotter hand. He could go through streaks where he'd make five, six in a row, and then you'd have two, three-game stretches where he might make three combined. Um, But more often than not last year, Wolden Tensai was hitting those shots, but it's another body that represents a knowledge of the defensive system. This is his third year at UVA and I'll keep harping on this all year long. I'm not going to complain about the product that's on the court and say that uh, it's not a good team because they are a good team, but there's a difference between teams that run defensive sets and teams that run defensive systems. Mm -hmm. And UVA is definitely a team that runs defensive system. Everyone knows they can call it out. The pack line defense is a system that you have to know and adapt to. And this is Trey Murphy and Sam Hauser's first year in it in live action. A lot of people will say, well, Sam Hauser last year, you know, he was, did got that uh, transfer red shirt. So he had to sit out a year and he got to practice and all, but practicing against it and putting it into action are two completely different things. Um, when you're playing against an opponent, that's actually trying to beat you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, that has been a little disappointing for me from him, but you figure of there's three of the starting five that have never played live action games in the pack line defense. And that would be Reese Beekman, true freshman, Trey Murphy, grad transfer and Sam Hauser, grad transfer. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be hard to stop teams the way that we typically stop teams. Um, I say that as we're sitting here up three forty eight to 45 with four and a half to go in the second half, but you know, you'll notice that there have been some teams that have put up good amount of points on us. And that's going to be a telling sign moving forward, because as we've mentioned multiple times before, the best way, I don't say the best way that is, that's not what I'm trying to say. Implementing defense and learning defense is, is a good way to take away an offensive player's ability. Yep. When they have to think about where they have to be constantly on the defensive end, it'll translate over to the offensive end and they'll just get mentally exhausted and their offensive output will drop. It just will. Mm-hmm. Um, the streak that we mentioned Sam Hauser going through came off of a lot of dumbed down um, adjustments to the pack line with some simpler concepts so that Trey Murphy and Sam Hauser could adapt and be more effective in the defense. Um, Jay Huff, God love him. He's slow as molasses. If he was two inches shorter, he wouldn't be the defensive player he is. His length saves him a lot. He gets beat a lot, um, but he recovers with very long strides. I mean, I was watching a, I was watching a, an off season or preseason, whatever you want to call it, video, and um, it took him two steps to get from the three point line to the block. <laughs> it was just two strides, and he was there. And I was like, dude, that like that's crazy but you don't understand what like, you know, seven one does. Yeah. And, and what we're missing is really, I mean, you go back and you look at all the teams that have been prominent in the Tony Bennett era, and you can pick out a big man or two that could lock down on the defensive end, be a force on the defensive glass and get you eight to 12 points. Mm-hmm. You could go Akil Mitchell. You could go Darion Atkins. You could go Anthony Gill. 
you could kind of go Mike Toby, even though he was the most frustrating player I've ever seen wear a UVA <laughs> jersey. Um, you could go with those gentlemen. You could go with Jay Huff. You could go with DeAndre Hunter. You could go with any number of these guys, and, and we don't have that guy this year. I, heaven forbid. I'm so sorry. I left out Jack Salt. Um, but, I mean, these are guys that have been there, and you can always kind of anchor on them, and we don't have that this year. So my, my UVA March Madness stock is, is slowly falling. Um, I don't think we're a three seed, although you say to be a three seed, you've got to be one of the top 12 teams in the country, right? Those are the mm-hmm. top 12 seeds. Um, there's been so much Big 12 beating up on each other. I think that UVA has been <laughs> kind of a benef- beneficiary of that <laughs> um, because if, if, if the Big 10 or the SEC or the ACC were at any regular strength that they typically are at, UVA would not be ranked number nine right now. UVA would probably be somewhere around 17 to 23. Mm-hmm. And we'd be talking about them as a seven or an eight seed. Um, but because of the way the season's played out, we're looking at them as a nine and um, we'll see how the season plays out for them. Uh, but right now, if they can't, if they can't get back and find someone that can give them production inside the paint, we're not going to defend that title. I know it's tough to go through these stretches when, as a fan, it's tough to see this, a team that you just know is missing something. But I'm looking here at Ken Palm. They're still the ninth best team in the country in adjusted offense. And with Tony Bennett as the coach, I think if they make it to the tournament, well, I mean, they're obviously going to make it to the tournament, but if they if they get in as a top four seed, I still believe that they can – that they can make at least an elite eight, possibly a final four, just based off of that they're ninth in adjusted offense and they're 23rd in adjusted defense. So it's not quite the same thing that you're used to as a fan, but I know from the outside looking in, watching their games, they still have enough and they still have Tony Bennett on the sideline that that makes a big difference come March. It does. And I mean, you're still going to have your staples. You're still going to have a highly a high clip of defensive rebounds. Um, I think this year they're already up to 405 defensive rebounds going into this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's compared to 99 offensive rebounds, but UVA is, they're only going to send one, sometimes two to the defensive glass. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that. You're going to have long possessions. You're going to have shot clock violations. The beautiful thing about the pack line defense is that you're going to get consistency. I think, I think the most a team for UVA since Tony Bennett has got there has ever allowed, I think was like 62 and a half points a game. Like that's the most, maybe, maybe a little higher, but it's not above 65. That's crazy. In 13 years, close to say, well, let's just say it's 65. That's the highest season total of points per game that a UVA defense is allowed. That system is going to keep them in games. Yep. But if a team can go small like Georgia Tech does, and they can they can go small and still guard your bigs and score and spread you out on defense, it's gonna be tough. And I think any team, if you're smart, if I'm a team, if I'm coaching a team in the NCAA tournament and I see that I've got UVA next, I'm watching every single second of every tape against with Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. They're the only team that's really given us fits. I mean, they really are. Now you can, there are, have been games where 
we, you know, the games have been a little closer than comfort for sure. Um, but when you look at straight matchup and UVA is playing the best they can play and the other team is playing the best they can play, who comes out on top? Georgia Tech has given us every bit that we can handle. And I know right now we're pulling away. I think there's 40 seconds left and it's 57-49. We outscored them 37-23 to in the second half after going down six at halftime. Um, and I'm trying to figure out who, who's been giving us those – I mean – Line for 32 points. Sam Hauser and Jay Huff combined for 14. So Kihei Clark scored as many points himself as Sam Hauser and Jay Huff did together. Mm-hmm. That's not a recipe to win another national championship. I don't think that's a recipe to get you to the Elite Eight. Um, so we'll just see how it how Tony adjusts. And like you said, with him on the sideline, I trust. Um, but as an as an analyst, when you see certain things, you know it's not a good setup. Yep. So that's what I see right now. Um, that's that's plaguing us the most. We're almost in that area where we're living by the three. Um, but I, I got I can't wait to go back and watch this replay once these regional blackout goes away. I want to see how Kihei Clark ended up with fourteen points. <laughs> yeah, with uh, no free throw attempts, uh, especially against Alvarado. Um... Yeah, uh, that, that matchup. Uh, so he still found a way to get to 14. A couple of highlights that I've heard in my ear. He's been giving Alvarado all he can handle tonight. Um, and now that you started, I was able to pull up the box score. Kihei Clark went 50% from three tonight. So, Yes, he, he hits four of the seven threes uh, for UVA. Uh, Beekman had one and then Murphy had two. Yeah. And, I mean, the crazy thing is, I might be talking myself out of my own argument, but – we still on a bad night, we got our 57. That's fine. Whatever. But we still shot 35% from three. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, it's, it's just, it's weird. And, and analysts hate trying to diagnose UVA because you, you can't really put your finger on it. It's just what you see. Right. And, And what I see is, we've got some issues interiorly on the offensive side. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we're doing great things with it. We've only lost three games. Um, but when we start, when, you know, as the tournament starts dwindling down, you start getting better and better competition. Yep. Uh, especially, uh, I looked, uh, I'm not sure if Georgia Tech, I'm assuming that they fit into this uh, category, but the NET rankings, uh, where they fit teams into uh, quad one wins, quad two, three, and four. Right. Uh, uh, Virginia only has four games against quad one teams they're two and two in those games so i i was looking at the rest of the list and ohio state leads the way with 11 games i believe against quad one teams but a a lot of teams are in the six to ten range so that's a part of the problem too is they just haven't faced the top level of competition with the acc being down exactly and and you nailed the you nailed it right on the head there at the end the acc's been down um and when you are typically getting 17 18 conference games um, mm-hmm. and, and your conference just, I, I don't know how they suck. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, <laughs> yeah. It just sucks this year. Um, you're, you're not going to get those matchups. Um, and, and we did, get, I mean, we did have a lot of good game. We were supposed to play Florida. We were supposed to play Michigan state, um, and, and everything. And there's another team in there I'm missing that we were supposed to play. Um, but, and those games got canceled. So you had some opportunities there that, that kind of went to the wayside. Um, but, 
Yeah, I, I don't know what to do. We oh, one of the games against uh, Virginia Tech got postponed. Oh yeah, but yeah, we had Michigan State postponed. We had Florida canceled, um, and then the first Georgia Tech matchup got postponed, and then we went out and got Gonzaga somehow, mm-hmm. um, and they beat us by twenty three. So yeah, it's um, it's been. I mean, after that Gonzaga loss, they rattled off two, three, four, five, six wins, two, four, six, seven wins. Then they lost to Virginia Tech, and now it just went final. We rattled off three more against NC State, a hot Pittsburgh team, and a good Georgia Tech team, a Georgia Tech team that beat Florida State not too long ago. That was just last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we were both talking about the money we lost on that game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, again, I, I will always trust in Tony Bennett, but it doesn't mean that I can't point out flaws and see where if a demise does come, where it will come from. And mm-hmm. in my personal opinion right now, it's not if it will come, it's just a matter of when, because it will happen. It will be in the tournament and it might be in the round of 32. Who knows? I just don't, I don't look at Virginia and say right now that I see a final four and elite eight team. I just, I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- well, hopefully, hopefully they can get some uh, some good competition at least from the teams going forward. I guess the one thing you can look at with uh, this game tonight, and then hopefully some teams uh, give them a little bit of a fight here down the stretch, is just learning to play in close games so that you can figure some things out uh, mm-hmm. instead of blowing some of these ACC teams out. Uh, just to, to to get into the feel of how to how to defend late uh, late in games to try to just will yourself to victory. Yeah, unfortunately, um, being a Virginia fan, you you get to – we're not worried about close games uh, mm-hmm. because we're in a lot of them. Um, <laughs> so I'm not worried about being battle-tested. Um, I, I am very worried about how down the ACC has been this year and, and not getting that competition night in, night out um, and how that's going to translate into March. And, and like we've said with everything that we've talked about in, in this entire year, We'll see. It's, <laughs> that's how we. It's how we have to approach it. I mean, what a crazy year in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that, that that was not the avalanche that we were expecting, but it is the avalanche that we got. So uh, that is our first avalanche segment, and we're looking forward to many more. Um, so, so we started talking about it a little bit there. Uh, you you want to jump over and jump into our bracketology segment. Yeah, so for this week, um, every week we're going to try and break it down a little bit. Uh, but for this week being the first rollout, we're just going to go with what we see right now as who we would have as our top four seeds. Um, and and right now for me, um, and I'm going to go in order, I'm going to go with the number one overall seed uh, that would be going out west technically because um, that's that, that would be Gonzaga. So they would send them, you know, keep them in probably in Spokane typically is where they would send Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two overall seed, at this particular point in time um, is, is actually going to be Michigan for me. Um, they're going to be my number two, the number two overall seed. I just, there's just something about them that when the stage gets bigger, they're going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm definitely looking at that for them. Uh, my number three. So the, the third one seed, that's where I'd have Baylor. Um, and then I'm sorry, Joe Lenardi. Uh, I know you're, <laughs> get to do this from the basement bunker and all that stuff. Um, I believe right now his fourth one seat is Ohio State, if I have that correct. Yeah, can, can you see? I, I shared my screen. Can you see 
Uh, I got you. Yeah. Okay. So his last one seed is Ohio state. Um, that's not going to be the case for me. My number, my last number one seed is actually going to go to the crimson tide of Alabama. Um, I, and, and that's just bait. That's just strictly head to head because Joe Lenardi has, um, Alabama has his first number two seed. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that they're right there and he's maybe just given some, some FPI or maybe some SOS or SORs to Ohio state. I'm going to go with head to head. If I put Alabama and Ohio state on the court right now, the way that they're playing and gave them five, a five game series, Alabama's taking that series. So that's going to, that's going to be my differentiating value there. So I'm, I'm going to go Gonzaga West or Michigan, Baylor, Alabama. Uh, I like that. Uh, Alabama, uh, they are a scary team. Uh, the only thing with them come tournament time is if they just go one of those games that they've had over the past couple weeks where they just can't hit threes. Uh, they they just played a game against uh, – they played against South Carolina, and they shot 34 threes, and they had 22 turnovers. If you have that in a tournament game – especially if it's past the, if it's in the round of 32 or later, then that could be a serious problem. But I still agree with you that they, they are one of the best teams in the country, but that just makes me a little nervous with them. I'm going to start off with Gonzaga and Baylor. I think those two are, I think it's them and the rest of the field at this point. Uh, I do have Michigan. I agree with you there. Uh, We talked about them a little bit earlier. Uh, I I think that they are very close to making that jump. Uh, I just need to see it that they've been out of the limelight for, for a while now with being on the two week break from COVID. So, so I just need to see them play a couple games and possibly next week uh, they jump up uh, one spot for me. Mm-hmm. And then I struggled between these two teams because uh, I'm still big on the big 10. I think there are so many talented teams that they are just kind of beating up on each other. I was debating between Ohio State and Illinois, but I think that I trust IU Dasunmu much more than I do uh, EJ Liddell. Uh, uh, Dasunmu is one of the top players in the country. Uh, you still have uh, Kofi Coburn uh, there as his wingman, and I really think they're figuring something out. They out rebounded Wisconsin forty-six to nineteen in, in that game last week. That that is an astonishing number. Uh, they, they really were able to shut them down, which it, on the defensive end is where I've been worried about them all year long. So uh, I, I think that that is my top four at the moment. Uh, I, for the most part, agree with Joe Lenardi. There's a few of these rankings, uh, mainly that WVU spot right there, that I don't exactly agree with. But it, this was prior to the Texas Tech win, so uh, maybe we'll see here in a couple of days when he updates it that, that they jump up a little bit. Yeah, and hopefully he does. Um, I can't see a world where – West Virginia is ranked worse than Virginia. Um, just you look at the overall strength of the conference, and right now he's got Virginia as a three seed in the uh, number four overall seeds region for whatever mm-hmm. that's worth this year. Um, and he's got West Virginia, like you mentioned, at a five going to the number three overall seeds region. And I just I don't see that. Um, I think that a lot of that is probably – he was probably safeguarding. He probably assumed that in those two, three games um, that Texas tech would come out relatively scathed. Mm -hmm. And thanks to the, thanks to the great performance um, against Texas tech in the postponement of the Baylor's game, that hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm okay with that. I, I like it. I mean, we're still really, really early here. Um, we're just picking up the, the bulk of conference play for a lot of these conferences and these high, these high ranked teams. So we'll see how it all pans out. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's, there's six teams fighting for the number one spot. Well, really you've got four teams fighting for the final two number one seeds. Um, that would be Ohio state, Michigan. And in my mind, Alabama and Illinois. Yeah. So I think we're in agreement. Um, I'm just a little bit higher on Alabama at this particular point than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, live by the three, die by the three is a saying for a reason. And Alabama sure as crap puts light to it. <laughs> we were sitting there watching their game, uh, that game against South Carolina. And I don't know if it's something about the SEC or not, but we, uh, my roommate and I both said that we've sat down for probably each of the last 15 years. Like we remember as little kids and like, it just keeps happening you turn on a random Alabama game and you're going to see a huge posterized dunk. Like they seem to have the most athletic guys, whether they're good or not. And somebody's going to go flying at the rim and throw something down. Yeah. They're athletic. They fly high. They remind me a lot of uh, the way the 84 Houston team played. Mm. Um, They remind me a lot of that. It's just high octane, um, everything that goes that way. So yeah, they're definitely a team to watch for sure. So that'll do it for our bracketology segment. Uh, we will jump over now to the uh, to the weekend lunchbox, uh, where we'll preview some of the games of the weekend. Uh, UVA has UNC coming up. Uh, UNC is a little down this year, but they currently sit. Uh, Joe Lenardi has them as a ten seed, so they, they will be at the moment at least a tournament team. And then mm-hmm. West Virginia will be taking on Oklahoma, so two big games there. What are the games of the weekend? Are you looking at the that you like to watch? Obviously, I like both of those. Um, there's one in particular that sticks out to me, though. Um, obviously, we were supposed to have number seven Texas Tech play number two Baylor. That's not going to happen. But you've got a good matchup in the Big East. Um, you've got seven and one Villanova. This is conference play. Seven and one Villanova going up against eleven and four Creighton, mm-hmm. um, and, and that stuck out to me for one for a couple of reasons. I know Villanova's had some some setbacks, but dang 15 games to eight. Yeah. (laughs) Creighton is 11 and four in the big East and Villanova is seven and one. That's crazy to me. Um, But Creighton Creighton is, is very under the radar this year. And I know Mm -hmm. for Creighton fans, I'm sorry if, if you don't feel that way, but I think you feel the same pain I felt when UVA was coming to prominence over the Tony Bennett era in that you see greatness and the media shows nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but you've got um, they're, they're being led right now by uh, Mahoney. He's killing it. He's averaging 14 and a half games. You got Zegarowski. He's averaging 15 points a game right there with them. Jefferson. I mean, they've got their starting five basically are all averaging double figures. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them are averaging double figures. And then you don't have too many people right behind uh, right behind them. They're shooting 36 percent from three as a team. They play really, really good defense, but they score at a high clip. They average 79 points on the season. Uh, Creighton is a team I'm looking out for, and I be, I'll be honest with you, I'm taking Creighton in this game. Um, I think Creighton will beat Villanova Saturday, um, especially considering that um, it's a home game for them. Yeah, for what I mean, for whatever that's worth, I know that it, you know you can't you can't do um, but so much because there's no fans, but. To be on your home gym, on your home rims, on where you know the bounce of the hardwood, something can still be said for that. So 
that's actually the game I'm looking for. I know you mentioned UVA and North Carolina. That I'm not even concerned about that game. Yeah. Um, the way that North Carolina has been playing defense and the way that they look lost on offense, um, I'm just not worried about them. <laughs> I just <laughs> I know that they've got some good stuff going on and they're fighting and clawing to be one of those blue buds that get back into the conversation of making the tournament. Because um, you talked about it earlier, we might be in a situation where. Um, you know, right now we've got a bunch of teams, those blue blood teams that aren't in the top 25. We might be in a situation where if North Carolina doesn't get their crap together and keep it that way, those same teams that we've been talking about won't even be in the tournament. Yeah. I, Who knows how long it's been since that happened. Uh, Kentucky and Duke at this point, I don't really think there's much that they can do. Uh, I think yeah. they're out of conversation uh, for the tournament. And I don't think we'll see them in any postseason tournament. They just have no reason to go play in the NIT or uh, any of those tournaments. UNC is really the last one left that that can really make a push. Um, But I'm with you on that Villanova Creighton game. I I was thinking that I was probably going to be the only one because the big East, like you said, doesn't get much love, but I am really looking forward to watching that matchup between Connor Gillespie and Marcus Zagorowski at the guard spot. Those two, they really embody what these teams are. They take care of the basketball. They can score, uh, they just do a little bit of everything on both ends and the assist to turnover ratio. I'm always uh, paying attention to that stat because the top teams seem to always be up high in that stat teams that move the basketball, get other guys open for open shots, but then they don't turn the ball over to give the other team free points. And both of these teams rank in the top 17 in the country in that hmm. stat. So I'm really, this is going to be a game that, it's going to be up and down. Both teams are going to score some points and it might come down to a last second shot, but Villanova is on upset alert. Absolutely. And so we'll both be watching that then, and hopefully we'll have something exciting to talk about. Uh, but just to follow up on what you said, and I want to kind of correct myself as well. Um, I completely omitted the fact in my mind that Duke got, got beat by uh, Notre Dame last night. Mm-hmm. So that'll, that'll definitely probably put a wrap on their season for sure. Yeah, the, and then Kentucky also lost to Arkansas, who's kind of clawing to try to get uh, themselves into the tournament. Uh, and Kentucky, I, I'm not sure what uh, what Sar was doing there. I don't know if you caught the end of that game uh, or any highlights, but he just threw the ball right to one of the Arkansas players uh, to go and get an open basket to end that game. But uh, one, one other game that's not going to get played that I'm really disappointed about, that Illinois-Michigan game that was supposed to be tomorrow night oh yeah uh, number three against number six that would have been huge so i hope that we get that game here in a few weeks uh, they can we rob up another good game last night well we were supposed to get virginia tech at florida state or florida state at virginia tech one of the two and that got postponed as well it was actually florida state at virginia tech the virginia tech uh what a game that would have been 17 yeah, versus 18 uh keve aluma going up against the likes of barnes and um Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the other gentleman's name. Number one, um, um, Florida State. I can't remember his uh, Raekwon Gray. Yes. Raekwon Gray. Um, and you got Raekwon Evans. You got two Raekwons on the team, Evans and Gray. And then Scotty Barnes, Quincy Ballard. Um, you've got so many good players on that team. MJ Walker, of course. Um, what a game that would have been that we're just not going to get treated to. Yeah, that's another team that is sitting at only 13 games played. Uh, some of these teams, uh, they've just, uh, they're just going to be playing uh, a lot of games here down the stretch uh, just, to, just to get them in with, the, with so many stoppages. Yeah, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. 
So that does it for our first episode with the new format. Uh, you can find me everywhere at JTZ4. You can find Brandon everywhere at Sports with BJ. Don't forget to check us out at SportShift Media. You can find all of our new video segments. Uh, we're going to be posting stuff tomorrow leading up to the episode drop and then into the weekend. On Saturday, uh, I believe we will be going live some point in the morning to give our best bets of the weekend. We're calling that brood beans and bets. So I'm really looking forward to get into the gambling side of college basketball and dive into that Saturday morning with Brandon. But with all that said, this is, or this has been another well-executed press break.